Welcome to the Iron Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Oh, sorry. Sorry, guys. I was just kind of far away. Um, we're reviewing oh. Ahsoka Part 6. How how far, uh, far away were you? Uh, far, far. You're in another galaxy, I've heard. Far. I've heard. Wow. You know. <laughs> anyway, oh. so Ahsoka Part 6. I'm so excited. It It is finally here. Yes. It, the the thing we've been talking about, we've been speculating about, we've been, we've been we've been discussing for the last what five episodes mm-hmm. has finally arrived. Multiple things, in fact. Let's just get into it. Tom, for those who don't know what we're reviewing today, uh, can you fill them in? Yeah, we're gonna be reviewing Ahsoka Part Six titled Far Far Away. This was directed by Jennifer Getzinger and written by Dave Filoni. In the episode, the search for Admiral Thrawn reaches beyond the limits of the galaxy. Are you demoting him? He's a Grand Admiral, sir. I did say Grand Admiral, didn't I not? <laughs> oh, no. Did I say Admiral? Oh, I meant you Grand did. Admiral. He's coming uh, for well, you. you know, he's coming Ray, for you. He's in disrespect. I am so sorry. I I have a feeling Rolk will be... Um, no, wait a minute. He kind of got fried... Uh, in Rebels, so I don't think Rock, I have to worry yeah, about Rock yeah. anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm sorry, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Oh. I, but see, he's also in a different galaxy, so maybe he did get... Uh, not for maybe, long. Maybe he was massively... But wait a minute. Maybe he was massively, massively promoted to where he's really not a Grand Admiral anymore. Maybe he's a Grand Grand Admiral. We'll, we'll go with that. We'll I go just, with that. Yeah, um, we're, we're just going to go is, with this. This is a big episode, though, so let's, let's dive in. There's a lot to discuss here. Of course, there's the big reunions, I guess we'll say. Um, but to start with, we get a very brief uh, overall scene with Ahsoka. This is, you know, for a, for a series with her name on it, she's not really in the episode all that much as she and Huyang are, are in the Purgle traveling through hyperspace. It's a really cool look, though. I don't think we've ever seen Gorgeous. hyperspace quite that beautiful before. I think, sorry, this is a d- d- detailed analysis will be coming later, of course, but. Okay. Um, this, I, I cannot wait to hear this one. No, I just, I think it's, it seems to be the result of the, whatever the, like the, uh, why am I blanking? The Eye of Scion also has that kind of hyperspace effect where there's uh, a little bit of extra, uh, like brighter lines going through it. These, uh, related to like speed? It, it, yeah, related to speed or the fact that they're, you know, potentially like moving between galaxies, you know. I'm going to chalk it up to moving between the galaxies. Yeah. But it is it is cool. And, you know, we get a we get a brief, like I said, a brief scene with Hu Yang and Ahsoka just to remind us all that they are in route. Um, I, d- I did like the little moment where Hu Yang offers to, to retell one of the stories he used to tell Padawans, the temple. And uh, Ahsoka... You know, he talks about you know the history of the galaxy parts one, two, and three, and Ahsoka mentions that part one was her her favorite, and that's that's got to be a reference to the upcoming Dawn of the Jedi movie, right? From James Manigold, like the the history of the galaxy, ancient history of the galaxy Could part one. William, what are you, it is it's a reference. Why am I blanking on his name? Um, there's a uh, why. Mel uh, Mel Brooks is obviously the, the source <laughs> here. You, you mean history the history of the, of the world, world part one, one, history of the galaxy part one? You know, was fantastic. Okay. <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. So you know, there, there's there's not a lot. I mean, here they you know we see them discuss Sabine's choice and how Ahsoka is not happy that Sabine went willingly, and Huyang posits that maybe it was her only choice, um, but. I guess trying to trying trying to, we've already had this rift between them, and that was kind of healed. Do you think we'll see another rift between them when they are reunited, eventually? I, I think we have to, right? Like Ahsoka is still questioning to some degree Sabine's choice. Like she mentions to Hu Yang that you know she she left something out to Hera, and mm-hmm. that definitely implies that she is maybe not as cool with it as uh, 
you know, she might like to, uh, we might like to believe. I, I think when we get further into the episode, the fascinating thing will be when the truth comes out to the character that we get introduced at the end of this episode or toward the end, how that character is going to react when Ahsoka basically builds them in on the decision that Sabine made. Yeah, it's a good I mean, that's going to be a fascinating thing. That is a good point. Yes. But uh, uh, I, 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 I'm excited to dive more into that character's return. But before we do that, yeah, we have to get really to get briefly the Purgle traveling. First. Yeah. Well, that was cool. Yeah. The, the way the scene ends, and I think I love it is with Hu Yang telling a story. Uh, he, you know, he eventually Ahsoka decides to, yeah, I do want to hear a story. And he starts the story with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And I, I think, I think it's perfect, right? I was going back for, is it too much or is it perfect? I think it's perfect. <laughs> I think I just, it works pretty well here. I think it I think it works very well because they are traveling between galaxies and you you, you almost want to make the assumption that maybe it's a reference to another galaxy that is far far away, not the one that's actually they're in or they're traveling from to traveling to. Yeah. I mean, it could be taken either way, but I think it works very well. I, I just kind of love the idea that maybe all the stories, the legends at the Jedi Temple begin with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And that's why the movies start with it. I don't know, I think it's like a cool, a, a cool thing we never thought we'd. It's a neat detail. Yeah. It, I think it, yeah. In my mind, it works. I don't know if it would have worked with any other character, but having this be Hu Yang, you know, who's trained the Jedi for thousands of years, is a keeper of knowledge and history. Um, I don't think any other character could have pulled it off. Mm -hmm. uh, David yeah. Tennant as Hu Yang was the one who could. Yeah, totally agree, agree with you. <laughs> so let's let's switch gears to that galaxy far, far away. The Eye of Scion arrives in the new galaxy at the planet Peridia. So it was, you know, they were talking about the pathway to Peridia. I wasn't sure if it was just the name of a pathway, but no, it is a literal pathway to the planet Peridia in another galaxy. Uh, we speculated a lot last episode about what could this new galaxy look like? How did you feel seeing this new unfamiliar galaxy for the first time? I mean, we don't see much of it. Like we nope. literally, we see Peridia and that's about it. And what I will say, the world building they did there is phenomenal. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the shot. You know, you see the planet Peridia with the rings going around it. And then we, we find out that the ring is actually like Purgle, a Purgle graveyard. Um, so cool. And this is part of their, and like, their oh. migration, their life cycles. They, they return to Peridia. Um, maybe not just to die. Like I'm curious if Ahsoka is just convinced all of these uh, Peridia to die. That that seems a little, a little sad, but yeah, that would be sad. I mean, I don't think they're going to die. Right. If, if she did convince them to return it's... home, they're still going to be alive. It's not like they just die when they get to Pretty. They just naturally return there. And they migrate there when they're at the sure. end of their lives. So right. I mean, know. it's it's almost like think of it as an elephant graveyard. That's basically what this is. They're not going there to die. It just ends up if it's their time. That's where they go. The other the other space whales, they could come and go as they please. It just ends up that is their end of life right there. It was yeah. It was a really cool aesthetic though. It was it was neat and Pretty itself is. It feels familiar. It's not quite as out there, right, as maybe we had speculated, but it also feels appropriately different, right? Mm -hmm. it, sure, it's kind of a desolate planet. We've seen those before, but I feel like a lot of the creatures look a little wilder and more vicious, and the we don't meet many of the beings that live on the planet, but those that do are very unusual. I, I thought it was cool. I, I, I like the, the planet quite a bit. Mm. yeah i did too it leaves a lot to where a lot more to explore we'll see what happens in the next episode mm -hmm. yeah i yeah i yeah i i worry that this might be all we see of the other galaxy which would be a little bit too bad just given that well i so, go I ahead agree and i actually like so we'll cover why as we go through i think this episode puts to rest the my use theory though um I wouldn't be surprised if the Vong do exist in this galaxy somewhere. 
Um, it feels, you know, like we talked about, like it feels like the type of thing that they would they would include here. Mm-hmm. But we didn't get it today. Um, or we didn't get it in this episode, I should say. And at this point, I think it it, it rules it out. And I, I think it speaks to what you're describing, William, which is we do, we do get some world building here, which we'll talk about with the Night Sisters. Um, but it doesn't feel like we're going to spend a ton of time elsewhere in this galaxy. Like I think it's going to be either just Peridia if we're here for, you know, another two episodes or it's going to be like we're going to return, you know, and then end on a cliffhanger or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if this were another I, show, you could have spent an entire series in another galaxy exploring these unusual planets. But I, I actually think it speaks to the confidence they have yeah. in where they're going. Mm-hmm. That they're because like we talked about, like you could end the show in the other galaxy and it gives you a lot of room to, you know, uh, basically decide how you want, like how, when, where and how you bring this back into the rest of the kind of timeline and story. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did not do that, which to me says no, like they they feel confident. Like if we I would not be surprised at this point that Thrawn will return to the galaxy and that will be the end. Like we are genuinely going to kick off the Thrawn story yeah. in all all its glory. Yeah. Tom, no, I, I I really agree with everything. I think at this point with the amount of episodes left, there really isn't much they could do to explore the galaxy unless they do plan on somehow ending with the cliffhanger of somehow they don't make it back to the original galaxy and they are stuck here. I do appreciate when you're talking, going to another galaxy that there was still some familiarity. I think you brought it up. William. the, The one thing going to a new galaxy you kind of expected while well, you're going someplace different. You wanted to see like maybe different colors, maybe different this, maybe different that to separate and show that you are somewhere else. But at least they didn't go that far with it. They they did give it a desolate feel to it, but you did feel like, yes, you did travel beyond the original Star Wars galaxy to somewhere else. And that probably helped with the way uh, hyperspace worked with the different colors in there getting to this galaxy. Yeah. So that part I appreciated. Yeah, the, one of the coolest things I thought is just how much we're learning more about the Night Sisters. And that's not something I would have predicted, I think, starting out on this series. But we find out that not only is Morgan Elsbeth a Night Sister, as we learned earlier in the, the, the series, but Peridia is the ancient homeworld of the mm-hmm. Dathomirian Night Sisters. And, you know, long, long ago, they, you know, before. For the time, before the days and time was counted, right? They they traveled using the Pergol to our galaxy, mm-hmm. and so we, we we. I mean, I have so many questions now, right? Are are there <laughs> how many Night Sisters are left here? Are we meet a few? Um, or did they it, all it go to like the new galaxy? Right? Well, yeah. It does. It doesn't seem like a lot, but remember, there was a mention of catacombs. Mm-hmm. And if you and we all know what happened with the Night Sisters earlier when they were on Dathomir and they were able to call up their deceased Night Sisters. Yeah. And there is that possibility that oh god, I can't remember his name, but the guy that Ahsoka took out, if there was a possibility that oh, he was reanimated because of Night Sister magics. Yeah. So you don't know what's in what's coming next from the Night Sisters. Although I have to say one thing. As soon as all three of those Night Sisters showed up, I was like, "You've got to be kidding me! This is so cool!" Yeah, seeing the Great Mothers again, like you know, Great Mother Talzin from the Clone Wars. Now we get to meet Actrapa, Clothal, and Lexus, and um, they are appropriately creepy and sound and look a lot like Mother Talzin. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, it's they cool. do. It's it, cool. It was a little jarring when I first saw them, just because that's not really what they. <laughs> that's like where I was used to seeing them in animation. The the mm-hmm. Night Sisters we I'm trying to think we've actually have we seen any Night Sisters in no. live action? No, I guess we, no, yeah, aside I from guess Morgan we haven't. No. So yeah, it just it was yeah. Super cool to see them. Like I said, very they 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 were very creepy. Mm-hmm. They did a good yeah. job. <laughs> and the interesting thing to me is they're they're behind a lot of this, right? They it's their visions, I guess, that guided Morgan Elsbeth to Peridia. It, which I guess helps. You know, we, we'll talk more about this later, maybe. But the maybe how easy things work. It helps they had people le- leading them each time. Um, 
but they, they guided Morgan Elsbeth here. They've been waiting a long time. They've been working with, you know, Thrawn to to some degree. So it, yeah, it's very interesting to me just how big of a role they've played in helping Thrawn and, and, and getting to, to this point. Which I find fascinating that they're working that way with Thrawn. And that's, that is what I'm looking forward to seeing explored going forward mm-hmm. and how they're all going to play together, especially with how Thrawn tactically, he works things out and how he's always that one step ahead. This is going to be fascinating to see how they're going to play into everything. Yeah. Yeah. They, they also clearly do not like the Jedi, right? They, they have an instant hatred of Sabine calling her, you know, it, right? <laughs> the, the, mm-hmm. You know, they don't even, you know, sorry, Steven. Yeah, no, go ahead. Sorry. You're, you're saying something that's suddenly sparking for me. We meant, we know there's at least a Dawn of the Jedi movie in the works. Is that what this is, maybe? Like, are we going to have the Night Sisters be the kind of ancient enemy of the Jedi, perhaps? Interesting. That would be very interesting, because it, that it way it would wouldn't fit be in, Sith. Like, yeah, like, it, it would fit in with what you kind of described, William, with, uh, why am I blanking? Like, the kind of Hu Yang's opening. Like, yeah. it, it feels like that that's a decent tease. Mm-hmm. And I can see them wanting to do something different. Like, we've done Jedi versus Sith. Um <laughs> Doing the dawn of the Jedi where it's not an offshoot of the Jedi, but something completely different. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I, I would actually put money down on that. Although clearly my track record of predictions is not really great for uh, (laughs) the last couple of months. But but to a certain extent, you might be onto something because remember Balin even is sitting here saying that he is tired of always being, you know, Sith Jedi, Sith Jedi fight, Uh fight, fight, fight. It's almost like, when when you heard him say his his I'm gonna say speech, he almost wants it to end. Yeah, it might be onto something with this, Stephen. Yeah, I really like that theory. the The other interesting thing about you know what we learned about Balin in this episode is that he, I continue to wonder about what are his motivations. Right, he says mm-hmm. he wants to end this endless cycle. Initially, you know, he said he he missed the Jedi. He's clearly fond of them. He he missed the Jedi Order. But it's more the idea of the Jedi Order than the Jedi themselves. And he says there was no future there. And that he eventually realized it was inevitable that the, you know, that the the Jedi and the Sith would constantly be locked in this endless struggle. That and you're right, Tom. It sounds like he wants to end it. Mm-hmm. And he he seems to believe that there's this source of immense power on Peridia that you know, and he actually says, right, it's not the fleeting power of Thrawn, but the ability to break the cycle, uh, you know, and kind of have it come to an end if the old stories are true. He's very reminiscent, at least in motivation, of Kreia in a lot of ways from Knights of the Old Republic, oh, too. Yes, yes. Interesting. She, she also, I mean, it's she's uh, a little more, she rejects the Force entirely, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also is kind of a like we there's a cycle, the Jedi, the Sith, they're all they're two sides of the same coin, and the coin is terrible, and you know. Mm-hmm. Um I yeah, Balin is giving me those vibes. He continues to be one of my favorite characters in this Absolutely. entire show. Mm-hmm. Like every time he's he's I don't even I don't know what the right word is, not grumbling, musing. Yeah. Um yeah. it's it's fascinating to see. And I'm actually I'll say I I'm enjoying how uh, he and Shin interact as well. It's much more uh, mastered apprentice here where mm-hmm. she's a little bit less like apprentice t- trying to kill people. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, she's also just trying to figure out her, mm-hmm. her place in the world. Um, they have this great conversation about who Ezra is and uh, you know, what it, what it's like and where they were trained and their, you know, all those different pieces. Yeah. And, and that's a fascinating thing when it comes to Shin, because if you look at how she's dressed, she does have a, a, a Jedi braid, if I saw correctly. Mm-hmm. So it is more of yep. a Jedi-type master apprentice instead of a Sith, you know, apprentice-type thing to where, you know, the only way you can become a Sith, you know, master is you have to kill your master and then you become the Sith Lord. This doesn't appear that way. Yeah, This appears to be completely different. And you do feel that, she is trying to figure out her place 
and where this part of her and Balin are going in the future. Yeah, it's yeah, I I, I agree. I, I love their dynamic, and he is he's definitely one of the most interesting characters in this series. I still wonder, you know, I think this episode gave us a lot more of the of a glimpse into his motivations and, and he's trying to break this cycle. And you're right. He's, I would say he's more of a Jedi than not in some ways, but he's still, he's, he seems disillusioned with them. And, and so much so that he is maybe willing to go down, you know, a, 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 a dark path to yep. stop this, this endless cycle. I just wonder what is this? What is this power? Right. He says that something calls to him on the planet and he even yeah. posits that maybe the mm-hmm. Night Sisters are fleeing a power greater than their own. That would be fascinating to find out what that is and if that is the case. And why are they taking uh, what looks like caskets off of the planet, which we'll right. see later. Why, so is it, why, is it, why is the planet basically devastated? Why are, why yes. are they leaving? What is this power that, that the Night Sisters are afraid of? Because we saw Mother Talzin. She's pretty powerful. And there's three of the Great Mothers here. Where are the rest of the Night Sisters? Yep. Mm-hmm. What happened? I have so many questions. Could it could it be the Yuzhan Vong that they're fleeing? Do we just see I, I a glimpse of them? So. <sighs> I don't think that would be the power that Balin is searching for. Yeah, because... where I think there's room for the Vong to be in this galaxy. Like a Vong v Night Sister. Uh, the Vong and the Night Sisters like fit conflict. very well together, I feel like, in a in the mm-hmm. galaxy. Yeah. Exactly. But I I don't think that's what we're seeing here. I the Night Sisters seem pretty um I'm blank on the word, like diminished at this point. Like we ha- we mm-hmm. see, you know, later on the Chimera, there there's a number of uh coffin type things being m- moved on. To me, that feels like the Night Sisters are evacuating their dead, which would make sense mm-hmm. when you know that the Night Sisters can, you know, revive um to some degree. But the only living night sisters we see are the three great mothers. It feels like it's kind of the end of their, their race potentially, or mm-hmm. their, their end of their time on this planet. Like even the ruins, like they've got the one kind of castle, but the, the statues are in disrepair. Um, it feels like there is something else here. Maybe this, whatever this power is like something, something is pushing them out. And I, I'm mm-hmm. fascinated to find what, find out what that might be. Yeah. Something that even Thrawn doesn't want to, go up against but you you mentioned the chimera and the i think the introduction of it was so so good it starts with sabine in prison right and she she starts to use the force and she i love that look look when she almost thinks that she actually was able to use the force to free her from her cell because everything starts Mm -hmm. vibrating a little bit noise starts happening and then she realized oh no it's just a ship above me (laughs) it's so good it's so good um but it's the Chimera, the Superstar Destroyer Chimera, and no, Thrawn's... It's Star the normal Star oh, sorry. Destroyer. Yeah, it's not normal Star Destroyer. Sorry, not a Superstar Destroyer. It's a normal Star Destroyer. Sorry, my, my mistake. Thank I wish. Thank you for yeah, correcting me, Steve. Yeah. Um, no, the Star Destroyer Chimera lands basically on top of this pillar, and Thrawn himself arrives, flanked by a legion of stormtroopers all chanting his name. It is the coolest entrance with that amazing music from Kevin Kiner that we heard in, in rebels. Oh, could there have been a more perfect entrance for Thrawn? No, 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 totally perfect. And the best thing about it for me, it was funny because I believe when Lars Mickelson was uh, interviewed about that, he was mentioning that when he did the voice for live action, I believe he did say he had to tweak it a bit because it's different than doing it in animation. I am sorry. There was absolutely no tweak to that voice. <laughs> it was perfect. Yeah. I Be- think he's before the... Before we talk about Thrawn, yeah. I just want to say, I, I think my favorite is the detail on the Chimera that we see here. Yes. Like, there there's so many parts of it that you can tell have been damaged and rebuilt and repaired. Um, we see that with the Stormtroopers as well and that mm-hmm. opening shot in the, the hangar. Just... I don't know what it is. Like it's the same thing with the Night Sisters, honestly. Like going from you know Clone Wars style or Rebel style animation, which obviously is simpler. Like that's just how animation works. Um, into this like 
uber detailed like oh my god that's the chimera like <laughs> and just all the mm. the greebles of the, of the structure um it's just amazing and i was yeah beyond excited yeah it was a perfect perfect introduction uh, I, yeah thrawn grand admiral thrawn is he's perfect in this series he, you know he he sounds phenomenal just like in rebels of course same mm. actor one of the few to reprise his role in both rebels and uh and, and ahsoka and in live action and thrawn just steals every single scene he's in like it it's you can't not just be in awe of Thrawn in, in every scene. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when he brought his leader, Captain Anok, and introduced him. It's it's cool that he's got a second hand person again because naturally, again, he lost Rock and Rebels. But which that's the other thing. Do you think at any point we'll see the Nagori? Uh I, I don't think we'll see the Nogri here. Um, okay. It's, it's Nogri, so I've always pronounced it Nagoris, but if, uh, whichever. I don't know. Any okay. guess. <laughs> the, sorry, before we get too far, I do want to okay, say, I, I, so, sorry, I'm trying to figure out how to say this in, in a, uh, the not super negative way. I liked Thrawn here. I, I don't know if it was because I built him up so much in my head. I think I came away a little disappointed. Really? Um, really? Some of it is is a little bit build. Like I Thrawn, especially in Rebels, is very lanky and yes, tall. And he doesn't have quite the okay, same presence yes. here. I I actually am more okay with that because I kind of chalk it up to like, no, Thrawn's been in another galaxy. Like yeah, it's been hard. It's been hard. It's rough. Yeah, you know? It's rough. <laughs> I, yeah. He gained I a little weight. It's is, okay. Yeah, he did. His the makeup was fantastic. Yeah. His his uniform, I was not the biggest fan of. It looked very like thin and um it just it didn't give me I don't know, like that Grand Admiral Starch Imperial uniform. It looked kind of threadbare. And maybe that was what they were going for again, because he's been in another yeah. galaxy. Um, but it just it it left me a little I wanted a little more presence out of him, I think. So now, in a way, in a way you're kind of comparing him to Krennic when he saw Krennic first in Rogue One, that he had that really nice pressed uniform. But here's a guy who's been stranded for we don't know how many years in a different galaxy. Yeah, he put on a little bit of weight. He had nobody to spar with. Maybe his droids that he sparred with and, in Rebels it, are, are not around anymore. And, and, he, and he gained a little weight. You know, maybe no, the I'm, food I'm, there is be better. Clear, I'm, I'm much, I have much less of an issue with the build. Like, I, that okay. I feel more okay with. It's, okay. Uh, it was, I think the uniform is what really did it for me. Um, okay. And I think it's not even that it looked threadbare. Like uh, the Stormtrooper armor, they did an amazing job of making it look, you know, used. I think it was particularly that his his uniform just kind of looked cheap to me. Like they okay. had this amazing Star Destroyer. All of these other costumes look fantastic. And his just didn't look right to me. Okay. Now I, I understand where you're coming from. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I... <sighs> I do. I did feel a, a hint of that as well. I, I'm willing to look over some of that stuff just from the transition to animation and or to live action, and the fact that he's been stranded for what ten years at this point. Um, but you're, you're you are right, Stephen. You you bring up a good a good point there. The so it, I just the the way he commanded every scene he's in was just so good though that I didn't. I didn't yeah. really care, right? He's like, mm -hmm. oh, it's, it's That's Thrawn. He, like his, 100%. His, his makeup yeah. looks great. His he, eyes look great. He is like stealing every single scene he's in. Oh, it's so, so good. And then like, the, the night troopers, right? That was completely unexpected. That is very different. We thought we'd just see, you know, your typical stormtroopers, but these are called night troopers according to the, the, um, uh, the, the subtitles and the audio description on Disney plus interesting for a few reasons, right? One sure they're, they've got their armor, their white classic stormtrooper armor, but it's been, it's kind of falling apart and, and, and dated. And they, they're, they have these red, almost the same color as night sister clothing, you know, bandages holding everything together yep. and like gold mm -hmm. accents. Like they, they didn't like, they just had gold lying around and they're like, Oh, I'll just patch my armor with gold. Um, really cool look and yeah I, I just love the love the aesthetic mm -hmm. i the best thing i got uh, out of it was that what the troops that he had 
for the amount of time they've been gone has been dwindling. It's almost like they've been so many battles that he's lost real troopers. So the numbers of just would be interesting to find out how many he's lost, which we'll probably never know. But I believe, and it would make interesting sense that because they're night troopers, maybe it is because it is the night sisters who reanimated maybe some of them. I wouldn't say all of them, but some of them are probably just reanimated troopers because that could be why they have the red around them. They could mm -hmm. be indicating that they could be reanimated and that would probably mean a lot, but you know, just to see all that, you could tell that being in that other galaxy has not been friendly to what was left of the empire and, you know, Animal, Grand Animal Thrawn and everybody else. Yeah, it's, I, yeah, I, I think the, the name Night Trooper is not, I don't think it's a coincidence that it's similar to Night Sister or Night Brother, right? Like Savage, Oppress, and Maul. They, the, the Night Sisters did something to, I think, augment these troopers, whether they're reanimated or, I don't know, who knows what, but it's particularly creepy and really cool. Yeah, also, I, I'm so fascinated to learn more here. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. and this is just one of those places, like with the Night Sisters, where just that opening shot with Thrawn in the hangar, when you see the troopers, it's just a like, now there is very clearly a story here, and I want to know what it is. Mm -hmm. Yes. Also, the, just the, with how they look, the leader, Captain Enoch, played by Wes Chatham, uh, from another one of your favorite shows, Stephen. I know. Um, yeah, I, I did not realize that's who it was. I'm that makes me even more excited yeah. by him. <laughs> uh, he he is a particularly creepy because you got a normal stormtrooper helmet, but with a gold face mask on top of it. It is he's creepy in, in, in all the the best ways. Like his his voice is very robotic. He speaks the this alien language at times. He's he's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, in the the grandest tradition of Star Wars, having you know the the sidekick, you know, head soldier helmet with the interesting helmet, and you know, no other information about him. Um, exactly. I just hope he's more Boba Fett and less Phasma. If that makes agreed. sense, totally agreed. No, I totally agree with you on this respect. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, just the building here, just phenomenal. Yeah. So let's let's talk about Thrawn and Sabine's reunion. Of course, they they went head to head in Rebels, and so Thrawn immediately recognizes Sabine, and I just love how he he thanks her for freeing him. Right? He's and he, he's like, ah, oh, yes, your desire to be reunited with your long lost friend. How that singular focus will reshape our galaxy. Right? And mm -hmm. It's so so good. Uh, yep. And he 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 agrees to let her go off and search for Ezra. On her own. Mm -hmm. But you, you have to love the line where he looks at her and just says, you know, you've gambled the fate of your whole galaxy yeah. just to think that Ezra is alive. I mean, really, that's exactly yeah. what she did just to see if Ezra was alive. And that's where it's going to be fascinating when Ezra finds out what happened. Oh, yes. I couldn't agree more. But it also shows that Thrawn knows like the, your galaxy is changing. If I get back there, mm -hmm. I'm going to wreak havoc. Um, yeah, it's so, so good. So they give Sabine a howler, this this kind of creepy looking wolf creature. Of course, classic Dave Filoni, right? Uh, and we eventually learn it's, it's actually kind of have, has a little bit, a bit of a heart and it's kind of a coward as well. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It, I, I think I think the one thing I appreciate about this, it's almost like a typical Star Wars little moment where you had just that little bit of brevity, not brevity, um, kind of like cute factor laughter thing where, you know, Sabine's scolding the thing and the thing completely understands, you know, it's it's a Star Wars moment. I had no problem with it. Mm -hmm. And it actually was kind of cool to see this thing in a different universe. Yeah, their their journey, I feel like, is peak Mandalorian season one, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Sabine off on her own in the middle of the wasteland uh, with nothing but her her howler by her side. It's um, you know, it's it, again classic Star Wars, classic you know Mandalorian season one. Even the introduction of the nomads feel a lot like 
a creepier version in some ways of Tusken Raiders. Uh, and it's a, yep. it's a really cool fight scene where she has to, she struggles to fight them off. And, and it just shows how formidable the, the nomads are. Yeah, I, I really appreciate, I think I had said this earlier for the last Sabine fight as well, just how good of a job they do where she is using every tool at her disposal here. Mm-hmm. Like it's, Awesome to see, like, she goes for the whipcord, the electrocution, the lightsaber, the blasters. She, like, it's always, I think, a good reminder that, no, like, Sabine is very, very good at what she does. And she's the Mandalorian. Basically, she uses all her tools, tricks of the trade, to sit there and fight the way she's supposed to. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's a great scene. I was actually surprised by just how, like, half of the episode is actually, for the most part, Sabine on her journey, right? The first half is all about Thrawn and the Night Sisters. And the second half slows the pace a little bit. You know, we still see Balin and Shin tracking uh, Sabine because they, you know, Thrawn decides to... He's going to make good on his promise to let Sabine find Ezra, but doesn't mean they'll survive once they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they decided to team up with the Nomads and everything. But a lot of it's just watching Sabine as she tries to track down Ezra and at least she had coordinates from Thrawn as far as Ezra's last known location goes and at first I was like oh is it too easy right Thrawn just appears and then is it too easy to find Ezra and Thrawn but at least in both cases right the Morgan Elizabeth had the the night sisters telling her basically where to go the the great mothers and while Sabine didn't have Ezra's exact location she had a the general direction so that can eventually lead her to the the Nati, the these really interesting, almost like Ewok like turtles. Yeah, the I'm pretty sure. Ninja turtles. They're very Ewok. Never thought of it that way. I kind of looked at them as like crab like. Yeah. No, but hermit crab is probably a better thing. example. But yeah, I laughed because I thought it was a, like a, a, yeah. Anyway, not important. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's cool. Again, classic Star Wars, right? Hero meets the these this very small, uh, um, you know, in, in creature that is friendly, but they can't communicate with very well. Right? Classic, like Wicket and mm-hmm. you know, Ewoks uh, type of thing. And we we learn that there are actually like a dozen of these naughty hidden under you know their shells that look like rocks around. It's a it's a it's a neat little moment. I, I and I like how how they're kept wanting to eat all that, the little things. That was the one thing I appreciated the whole time was watching Howler just literally licking his chops like, "Let me at him, I'm hungry." Yeah. I mean, I know it's crazy, <laughs> but that was a nice little touch to just keep that working. Where yes, Sabine can control Howler, but you just can't control somebody who just needs to eat. Yeah, the the scene in particular where they arrive at the village and you oh, just see yes. Howler look around. You're just like, oh no, this is just such a recipe for disaster. Dessert oh yes. everywhere. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, you know, I guess you know we 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 learn that the Nati is he's got this the one that Sabine meets. He recognizes the rebel logo on Sabine's pauldron, and shows her that he has the same. He has a, like a necklace with the same logo, which helps her realize that no, you know, Ezra's clearly with these people. And so when they go back to the village, sure enough, you look around for a while. It's like she starts to wonder, oh, is Ezra really here? And then, boom, there he is, Ezra Bridger in the flesh, played by Iman Esfandi. He's he looks much older, uh, as he should. It's been ten years, but he is. I thought he was the perfect live action version of Taylor Gray from yeah from Rebels. How did you guys feel seeing yeah. Ezra Bridger finally? No, exactly the same. He did such an amazing job portraying Ezra. Like I it's just a a happy feeling seeing him like in the flesh. Honestly, it's similar in some ways to Sabine. Mm-hmm. Um, like the first time mm-hmm. we saw where you're like, oh no, that is just Sabine. I just felt the same way here. Like, no, no, that is just Ezra. Like from the robes to the his relationship with the villagers, like it just, you know, we're home. I mean, he's not home. He's in, you know, basically as far from home as we've ever been. But like, right. this, is, this is who we needed him to be. The casting in the show has just been phenomenal just mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, he like I yeah, he I mean he's got a, a big beard now and longer hair, but he he still looks and sounds exactly like a 10-year-old uh, 10 year you know, Ezra 10 years older from when we last saw him in in Rebels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, just credit to you know Dave Filoni and the casting director and of course Amanis Fanti for playing him cuz yeah, I think Ezra and Sabine are the two best cast characters in the show but everyone has been phenomenal in this series it's really really cool to see yeah i couldn't agree more i still i just find it fascinating that you have ezra sitting there saying well number one it took you long enough but hey let's go home it's fascinating if he said like let's go home it's like he didn't say where's your ship but that's where i get back to what i mentioned earlier Sabine never, and you could tell that she had that look on her face like, I'm going to lie. Uh, let's not talk about it right now. She was always, you know, blowing it off on the answer of one, how she got there. Two, are they going to leave? Three, I hate to tell you how I got here. And four, I don't think you're going to like what I'm going to th- tell you. So that's why I say the next episode is going to be fascinating. Yeah, you got to feel bad for Ezra. Like he, he's so mm-hmm. excited right now. And it's just going to turn to heartbreak. It's like, oh, you you brought Thrawn away, the guy I sacrificed myself so that we would get him away from the galaxy. You're, you're giving him away home. Oh, mm-hmm. and we're stranded here. Like, we don't have a way back. So right. how was and, this a victory? Yeah. <laughs> and, on top of, and on top of that, I think it was even warned by maybe Ahsoka that what do you think Ezra would have wanted you to do? Mm-hmm. And when he finds out that Sabine left or helped them, right? Not just. Yep. Yeah. I'm very interested to see how Ezra reacts. It's, it's a bit of a, I thought the reunion was, was wonderful in this episode, right? We got the rebels theme when Sabine and Ezra hug, which just pulls at your heartstrings and that classic, you know, you know, Ezra dialogue and everything. I loved it all, but I'm very excited to see what happens next, right? Because yep, he's been gone. Like putting ourselves back in, because it, it, it took me a second, right? Rebels ended prior to A New Hope. So last Ezra knew, when he left our galaxy, the Empire was in full force. Vader was out there, right? The, the Emperor I, was still wasn't there. I the thought galaxy. there was a, a line in this episode where Ezra kind of asks, and I thought Sabine said that like, yeah, we won or no. I, I, well, he did. He did say, hey, it worked, right? Because she, she was talking about how that's it's right, plan, right? You, typical uh, plan, right, okay. always a plan, never a good one. And he says, hey, it worked, didn't it? Didn't it? And that's yes. it. That's that's all. Sabine never replies. But I, I, I want to know that if I were him, right? I would want to know. Sure, I'd be like happy to see, but like, what happened to the rest of the galaxy? Is the Emperor still there? Are the rebels surviving? Mm, yeah. What is like? He has no idea what's happened in the intervening 10 years. And a lot happened. Like there's other Jedi like you now, all, all of this mm-hmm. stuff. I'm very, very interested to see. And maybe we don't see that, right? Because I guess some of it might just be too much exposition I, in th- some we ways. Ha- but. We, have to, we have to see something. There has to be something. There has to be. I, I hate to say this. Sabine is going to have to pay for what she did. And somehow... And I'm not saying it's going to be a bad way, but somehow Ezra is not going to take anything. He, he's not going to take lightly to what, what happened and so, for what Sabine did. He can't. So here's, I think, here's the thing I think it's going to be very interesting to see. Um, so when, you know, Balin and Shin are talking about Ezra, they, they refer to him earlier in the episode as a broken Jedi. Right. I'm, very curious to see like Ezra never finished training with Kanan. Um, and we don't really know, like he doesn't have yellow eyes. He's probably not a Sith, but like, I think there's, I'm really curious to see what, what happens there basically. Like do, did something, you know, happen? Like did Ezra continue training? Is he still, you know, following the path of the Jedi or has he moved on from that? Or is he doing something different? Like, Interesting. We don't even know it's, if Ezra's been like has he been fighting Thrawn this whole time? Right. Like has he just been have right. they just been living in their own separate corners or have they been Yeah, like 
There's, well, yeah. Also, re- realize that. Sorry, to interrupt, but realize he did mention to Sabine, "Hey, this encampment we're going to have to pick up and move. They're nomads. Mm-hmm. So, but pick up and move. Why and why are they? Okay, yes, they could be nomadic, but it could also be taken as, hey, we have to keep moving because one, yeah, Thrawn is still Thrawn is in this galaxy because remember." Thrawn did give her kind of coordinates, Sabine coordinates of where Ezra could be. So Thrawn could very well have just been tracking him. Ezra could know that mm-hmm. and has to be on the yeah. move. Well, we know that he, the the Naughty seem to be nomadic, like they're packing yes. up at the end. Right. I, my point is more, I, I think that's going to be very impactful to how the reveal goes. Mm-hmm. When Ezra finds out that Sabine has betrayed him, not betrayed him. That's maybe too strong, but like I would, I would think betrayed, betrayed the their galaxy. Ideals, I would think like, betrayed the galaxy. It does. Is he going to take it with that that Jedi, you know, softness for lack of a better word? Is he like? That's what I'm. So I don't know what we're going to see here. I I don't know. Yeah, I yeah I, yeah it, it's going to be a. a, a a challenge I think for him to wrestle mm-hmm. with. Right. Cause he, on the one hand, he's happy to see Sabine and be rescued. On the other hand, she may have just let Thrawn, the guy he sacrificed the last 10 years of his life to remove from our galaxy. She just let him back in and it's not going to go well for, for people. No, it's not, it's not, it can't go well for her. It really can't. And as bad as it sounds, I kind of looking forward to see how this is going to resolve. Yeah. Because it can't resolve in a good way. No, it can't. no. Yeah. I, yeah, it, there is just, it is so, they're doing such a good job with this, mm-hmm. with this season. I, I, for one, cannot wait to see where they, they take it. I mean, we get this hint that, you know, at the end, the great mother's sense that another Jedi is approaching and Thrawn puts it together. It's Ahsoka. And I love how he just cast out on Balin saying, Oh yeah, he was, he was, he's flawed. He was, he was once a Jedi, but you know, what's going to happen when Ahsoka arrives? What is going to happen when Ezra finds out what Sabine did to get to him? What's going to happen? How are they going to, is, is Thrawn going to come back to our, our galaxy? What else is this threat? On Peridia, does, does Ezra even know about it? I have so many questions, and I, I love it. How many episodes are left? Two? Not enough. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was going to say, not Ugh. enough. Oh, just two. It's. You are right, Stephen. I think what you said earlier it shows how focused and how confident Dave Filoni is that we went to a whole new galaxy in Star Wars, and I think we're really just going to see one planet, and they're just going to head right back. Maybe we're wrong, right? Maybe we'll see... Maybe the Yuzhan Vong are out there. Maybe there's some other power we don't really know. But... there, You could have spent entire series exploring other galaxies. Mm. And yet, I'm, I'm happy... While I would have loved to see all of that, I'm pretty happy with what they've done so far. You know, and, and I mean, maybe maybe they won't stick the landing in the last two episodes, but so far I'm pretty happy with the story they they have told. And it, Peridia was just unusual enough, just different enough to feel otherworldly or other galaxy, but mm-hmm. without going too far. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree as well. Yeah, we have for reviews. I, I think I think it's time. I think we have to. Tom. Tom. Yes. Okay. William, we're on the same page. We are. Ah, <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what an episode. Ah, uh, this one. This one's kind of hard to rate because, on so many levels, it was so good. But you can't have a 10 episode yet because it's not done yet. And I still think the next episode, I think the rating, I, I'm, I, I can't. I can't give the episode a 10. 
And I don't think I, uh, God, I'm going to give it an 8.5. I, I love the episode. I just love the introduction of Thrawn. I love the introduction of all his stormtroopers, everything about it to see that chimera come in all beaten up, but put back together the way it was in, in shambles, but make it space worthy is incredible. But where it's going to go from here, it's fascinating. And the question of Balin sitting there saying, there's another power that's at work. Can you feel it? What is that power? And I agree with you, Stephen. Is it possible that the Night Sisters are flinging that power? There's so many questions and so many open things. It, it's it's 8.5 to me seems natural because maybe the next episode is going to be the 9. Maybe the next episode after that's going to be a 10. Because you can't do that with this one. So I'm giving this an 8.5. And... My 8.5 Womp Rats, well, Howler had to eat something. There you go. Done. William, you want to go next? Yeah. Um, you know what? I'm going to give this... I'm going to give this a 9, right? This was so good. I, I loved... The last two episodes have just been... The whole series has been phenomenal. But these last two episodes have just particularly great we got to see new galaxy we got to see the you know reunion of sabine and ezra and it was just perfectly done perfectly cast i think the thing that puts it over for me is theron and how how great of a character he is like this is this is the live action introduction of what is arguably the biggest non-film character in star wars Mm -hmm. right grand admiral theron is He's a massive character, right? He, for those who who don't know, he for those who've been living under a rock like the Nazi, um, he uh, good one. You know, he was introduced in Heir to the Empire, and he's been a since the what I think 1990, 1991, something like that. He's been the biggest villain in Star Wars after, especially in the of the books for sure. You know, the biggest non-film character. Uh, by far, I think the only like character that comes close is maybe Mara Jade, right? Well, I don't know if you guys would agree, but like he's Thrawn is, yeah. he's legendary. Yeah. He is legendary, and so to see him in the flesh for the first time is so cool. It is so, so cool, and I love how his <clears throat> his his army is now like the Night Troopers, right? They're they're a, a weird twist on. Stormtroopers, we get to learn more about the Night Sisters and their history. It's just so good. I they're setting up they're setting up some very interesting storytelling. I can I can tell. I can't wait to see where it goes. Ultimately, this episode had both had both great introductions, great reunions, and it felt very even that the parts that were slower as you know as Sabine was searching for Ezra felt classic Star Wars. And so I'm gonna have to give it nine out of ten. Womp rats and uh, my my nine womp rats were uh, they were eaten by the howler. And uh, wow, yeah, that's so he's he so far has a belly full. Yeah. Okay, so Stephen, you're up. Yeah, I I've struggled as we've talked through this. I I don't know quite how to explain it. I ended the episode not disappointed. But I think I felt a little underwhelmed with Thrawn's introduction. And I don't, I, I've struggled to place what it is. Um, the uniform is the thing that like stood out most to me of like, it just didn't quite feel, feel right to me. Um, but like his entrance was fantastic. Um, I guess like I would have liked to have seen some more scheming, but like maybe it doesn't make sense to show that like right off the bat. And maybe we are seeing it like in his relationships with the night mothers and or the great mothers. And we just, we don't have all the pieces yet. Um, we didn't get any references to his art or stuff like that, but I, I think that might have been maybe a little too uh, esoteric to include, like right off the bat, or maybe too much. And I, so I, I still struggle to place like what, what was it that made me feel kind of underwhelmed with his, his presence here? And I think the only thing that really comes to mind is just that maybe it's just because. Thrawn has such huge shoes to fill. Um, like I said, William, like, I don't know that there's another character that has the impact that Thrawn does. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
Mara Jade probably is the only one. And I a, don't think we're ever going to see Mara Jade. Um, not at this point. And then B, uh, Mara Jade had a lot more uh, book time, for lack of a better word. Thrawn appears in, I mean, if you go back to before the kind of Rebels reappearance, Thrawn shows up in four books, maybe, I think. Like, I think it's... Yeah, it's four uh, books. Uh, outbound flight and the three the three the original thrawn trilogy although of course like the thrawn duology is all around him and stuff like that but um and i i think like you know we've talked before like that is my that was what i grew up with that was my star wars like william what do you feel for the prequels i feel about i think thrawn and some of those original novels and so it's i end up coming out of this feeling a little bit underwhelmed but I also recognize that, that it, that's a me problem, not not a, not a problem with the episode. I think I'm going to give this an eight. Um, and I don't <laughs> I don't really have a good way of justifying it, if that makes sense. Um, I think it was an incredibly solid episode, um, but it felt it was all set up for me. Like we finally got Thrawn. Um, we've met up with Ezra and now like it felt like we were placing pieces on the board to continue our like Thrawn strategy chess kind of uh, mindset. Like the pieces are on the board now. Thrawn has arrived. Ezra has arrived. Sabine is there. Ahsoka is about to arrive. And now I feel like we're getting ready for the, the final act. So I yeah. think this episode does an amazing job of setting all those pieces up. Um, and it ends up being a fairly a solid episode, but it's not the most action-packed episode. It's not like I, maybe it's not the most I'm edge of my seat, if that makes sense. Like I'm, I'm firmly in my seat. I'm not going anywhere, but I'm not on the edge. I'm waiting for all the pieces to arrive so that the the final game can begin. Um, so I'll, I'll give it an eight out of ten. Um, Tom, you definitely stole what I was going to do. Um, I think my Womp Rats, you know, we were wondering what Thrawn was transporting for the Great Mothers. Mm. Uh, we thought maybe it was, you know, dead Night Sisters, but maybe it's it's a Womp Rat army. Maybe that, or maybe they're not even dead. Terrifying. Maybe that's just, you know, that's that's what a womp rat, you know, pet carrier looks like. That's... And the great mothers, you know, you know, they they they've been there for how many, you know, hundreds of years, thousands of years, maybe. Um, you know, we Earth, we have, you know, the the like old cat lady kind of trope. Uh, maybe Night Sisters just collect womp rats and, and this, they, you know, they've had a long time. They don't die. So you just got to, you know, create them all on board. And, you know, Thrawn understands you don't want to upset the the cat ladies of the Star Wars galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cats are and womp rats are very dear to the owners. So he, he's on board. You know, he wants he wants the great mothers on his side. Fascinating. <laughs> oh, well, what an episode. What an episode. I have to. I, we, yeah, I cannot wait to see what they do in the last two installments of this series. Before we go, I just have to, I have to tip my hat to, to Dave Filoni. He is yep. the master yep, of mischievousness. Because going back to Star Wars Celebration Europe, he was, uh, uh, I think it was, was it Celebration? It was Celebration last year, yeah. Someone asked Dave Filoni, where's Ezra? And here's what he had to say. You want to know where he is? That Dave that's Filoni. A, <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's a Dave move if I've ever seen one. Yeah. Classic Dave throwing out the name of the episode that Ezra will appear in a, a year and a half ago. And uh, no one knew. No one knew exactly how much he had told us. Gotta love Dave. Yeah. Well, yeah. Good one, Dave. That's uh, it for us this week. We'll be back. Next week, with our review of Ahsoka Part 7, when everything comes to a head, we think. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncanoncast.com, 
and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncanoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.